Hey, Joe, I remember you saying last week you planned to cross-train um, both the tackles at the right and the left-hand side. I'm curious about a guy like Nick Gates. You guys signed him to some pretty big money over the weekend. Um, is he going to be working at both tackle spots? Does he figure it in its center? What, what's kind of the plan there? You know, one of the strengths of Nick is, you know, really his position flexibility. Uh, he's definitely a guy that could factor at any of the five positions of the offensive line. But, you know, priority right now is giving him a chance to compete all right, for a starting position really at any one of those five spots. So as coaches, we have to do a good job of mapping out how we're going to allocate his snaps and reps on the field between primarily center and tackle and give him a fair shot at both. We're going to work him day by day based on what the priority for him is. And, uh, you know, it'll start shaking out once the pad's gone and we get hit. Thanks. Duggan, you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe. Actually, I got to follow up on that then. So with Nick, he's never played center. So what about his skill set do you think lends himself to that position? You know what? He's a guy who's got good athletic abilities, good length. He's definitely a smart player that want to make sure that we give him the opportunity to get inside and operate in that signal caller mode of playing the center. But you're right. You know, for him and Shane, both neither one have really played a significant amount of center. So training is part of it right now. We're putting them through everything we will with any of one of our centers. And Colombo has to dedicate a little bit extra time to those guys to make sure he's getting them some basics, you know, and building on what they know about the position. Speaking of basics, have you literally seen him snap a football yet? Have you been able to do that? <laughs> we have. You know, between the walkthroughs we had last few nights, footballs are allowed in the field. We're allowed to have, you know, some obviously at a controlled tempo, but some basic drills we can operate, watch QB center exchanges. So, you know, we've watched them, you know, all snap balls, all work with the quarterbacks. You know, of course, at this point, we're sitting out there in our underwear, and uh, really the real test comes on the pads come on. That you can go ahead with your question. Hey, Joe. Uh, you guys did officially bring back uh, Marcus Golden now. I'm curious, like, what, what does it mean to have him back in the fold? And then you obviously have a lot of young pass rushers uh, in that group. Like, what, what does it mean to have him in the building to help those guys? And, and what kind of progress have you seen from those guys in general? Well, look, I'm excited Marcus is back in the building with us. I mean, obviously, it's the first time I've had to work with him on a personal note. Uh, but obviously, his reputation throughout the league is a very solid one. He was someone we wanted to have on the team. We're lucky it worked out the way it is. At this point right now, like all the other players, we give them a chance to acclimate and really catch up with our systems and just get going and compete in full speed in about a week or so. It. Joe, you, the last time we talked to you um, was Friday, and you guys had 90 men on the roster. sounded like you were going to go that way. Is there a specific reason why you guys chose, uh, chose to go to 80? You know what? I mean, long story short, it was what was best for us to be able to evaluate everybody as a whole and really build the progression. Look, ultimately, I wish we could have gone with 90 the entire way through like a traditional camp. That's not the rules in place right now. It presents some logistical issues for you, um, you know, both facilities-wise and how you can map out coordinating different players working with each other. We wanted to make sure that we gave everyone a chance to get out there on the field and really take a look at them and work. And, uh, you know, after, you know, a duration of time, we felt it was best for the team's development to move to 80. Art. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Good, Art. How are you doing today? All right. Um, I'm just curious, when you do your walkthroughs now, when you have the full team, how much of it is full team out there, 22 guys, or do you separate it by position? Are you looking off full offense? Uh, just give a sense of what those walkthroughs are looking like this early in, in camp. Yeah, they're really a slower version of practice. We start out an individual. And we just group them with their position coaches and 
we want to work at obviously a much slower pace, much controlled pace, but the fundamentals that we're teaching and give them a chance to walk through at a slow pace. And then they get to go on the field the next day within our conditioning periods. All right. And through the agility period within this conditioning, operate those drills at really a full speed. So we get to teach them and they get to carry it on out. We build in some group time where we combine multiple positions together to get them work, whether that be a quarterback with receivers, maybe tight ends next to tackles, talk about different block combinations. A great deal of this is really being run on air or for trigger or for defense. They're lined up across from trash cans or maybe coaches posing as players to give us a sense of a formation that they can line up and make checks to. We do have a limited amount of team reps at the end just to get 22 on the field at the same time. And really the biggest emphasis on that right there is communication. You know, we can't go at full tempo. We don't want to expose any of our players to injury or something that they're not ready for. It's a teaching phase of what we're in right now. But building in the communication and just the identification being on the field and working with your teammates, we think that's valuable enough to put all 22 together. But it doesn't look tempo-wise anything what you expect practice to look like. It really is, you know, a controlled walk-through tempo um, that we can kind of just get guys moving and really familiar with our schemes and systems and how practice will flow once we go full speed. Gotcha. Thanks. Patty. Hi, Coach. How are you? Good, Patty. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. I just want to go back to the Marcus Golden uh, question for a moment, if I could. You have um, quite a few pass rushers, which I suppose is a good problem. I'm just wondering, given the roles that some of these guys played last year, the addition of Kyler Fackrell, the addition of Carter Coughlin, and some of the guys you drafted, do you anticipate just kind of expanding their roles? Is it going to be more of a committee effort, or do you anticipate maybe at this point, you know, focusing on one or two or maybe three guys to kind of build that core of the pass rush? Well, Pat, I think the thing is, even though we have a lot of guys listed at maybe the same position group, they all have different skill sets. So along with that, we have different packages that we can build in based on who the opponent is that week. You know, we talk a lot about doing more on the field. You know, they have a skill set for rushing the passer, but they're not exclusively a pass rusher. You know, these are guys that are going to play in the kicking game. These are guys that are going to factor in, all right, in, you know, maybe different run-stopping units, different packages put on to match the offensive personnel. And, again, building depth at significant positions, you know, is something we have to do. There's going to be several of these guys that as we go, we'll see how they're factoring out in the outside backer position. Maybe some of those guys that will get shifted inside, we'll see how they can fare at the inside backer position as well to build our depth on the roster. You know, at this point, we're going to give them a chance to just go ahead and get their feet wet at the outside backer position. But, again, you know, we're not limited to what we can do. We want to make sure we find out what every player can do well and that we put them on a field of position to execute that. Jordan. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Hey, Jordan. What's going on? Not much. Uh, I know this is kind of your first time really actually getting to see Daniel Jones, like, firsthand of what he can do. But he had, you, you've obviously watched him on tape. You had an offseason where, you know, you sent him off and to do whatever it was you wanted him to work on. What are you looking for for him to improve this season? And where have you focused on him working both this spring and now this summer? Well, I think the biggest thing he gets to actually work on right now is being out there with the team, calling a play in the huddle, breaking the huddle, getting to the line, you know, identifying the defensive front, making any checks on the line of scrimmage, and then executing a cadence that everybody can work off of. And just things that may seem so small right there are the fundamentals that you have to start every successful play with. So the biggest thing he's been able to do right now is just be in the group with the team and then to hear his voice, along with Colt and Cooper, 
and Alex, it's very important for everyone to hear our quarterback's cadence. They're all unique in their own way. We've got to make sure they get used to hearing the play call in the huddle and we get used to hearing the cadence on the line of scrimmage. You know, at this time right here, the most exposure our players are getting as far as working at a full tempo with each other is in our on-the-field conditioning periods. You know, and we're allowed to use footballs in some of those periods for some agilities, and that allows us to run, you know, somewhat of some routes on air. And, you know, just building in the timing with his teammates, that's good. Remember, it's a new year for everybody. It's a new year for Daniel and the receivers. You know, they have to get some chemistry established and, you know, built, whether they were together last year or it's a new guy added to our roster. That's important for everyone to understand that, you know, we're starting completely over right now, and we've got to start from ground zero. You know, I'd say with a quarterback, there's never just one thing. You know, with all of our players look for total improvement as a player. With a quarterback, you know, it's such a mental game. It's really the grasping and the understanding. If it was somebody's second year in the same offense, you'd want to see their command of that offense on the field. For Daniel, we have to be fair. This is a new offense. It's a new system, new scheme for him. He's had a limited amount of walkthroughs of actually being on the field and able to do this. At this point, I'm just looking to see his progress day by day and not compare him anywhere he was last year. It is the process of him calling plays that you talk about. I, obviously, the you know the verbiage is different, but is, is that process much different than what he was used to last year? You know, I don't think it's terribly different, Jordan, uh, but obviously there's always a unique, you know, communication set. You know, you have Jason calling plays in his ear now. Then he's going to call huddling. He's got, you know, 10 guys looking at him, and they've got to hear it a different way. The difference in the language always ties in a difference in how you can say it, present to the team. You want to say in a certain rhythm that they get used to hearing, you know, everything from the personnel to the formation, the protection, the play call, and then what the cadence is going to be on before they break the huddle. And while that sounds very simple, imagine doing it, well, this year may be slightly different, but imagine doing it with 85,000 people screaming in your ears you're doing it. It's important for the other 10 guys in the huddle to understand how he presents the play and how he breaks it up and phrases it so that all the words don't run together. It's important in a huddle that everybody understands not every word speaks to me. You have to decipher and pick which direct words speak to you on each play and what really tells you what your assignment is. So it's important that he develops you know, that cadence in the huddle of how he presents those plays. In terms of exactly, Jordan, how he did it last year, I wasn't here. Um, but I would say the generalities of receiving a play and giving a play, that's obviously right there something that, you know, he has some experience with. We're going to take five more. Charles, you can go ahead. Hey, Joe. Uh, now that you've had some time to look at your group of defensive linemen and edge rushers, how do you feel about this group's ability to get home with four, uh, four pass rushers? Or is this a situation where you look at – and you think we might have to get creative uh, with some of our blitzes. And also, how big of an emphasis do you put on sacks versus just getting pressure and, like, flushing the quarterback out of the pocket? Well, I think I'm going to kind of work backwards on that answer. And in terms of sacks versus pressure on quarterbacks, I think pressure is the number one thing you have to think about in terms of applying pressure on your opponent. You know, forcing the quarterback in a bad situation. Would you love to go ahead and have a sack every time? Absolutely. But – there's a reason the National Football League, why the all-time record isn't 50 per year. They're tough to come by. The ultimate thing is making the quarterback operate faster than they want to, okay, and making decisions quicker than they absolutely want to. Now, in terms of are we going to have four rushers, are we going to have multiple rushers, what are we going to do? We're never going to cap ourselves on creativity, and that's something that, you know, Pat and his staff are going to always look for the best way to match up our opponents. Every opponent's unique and different. I will say this, you know, to a man, every one of our defensive linemen, 
has really come in here all right, physically in a position to train. And there's a difference between being in shape and training. You know, being in shape, you know, all of us can go to 24-hour fitness, get on a treadmill, hit a sustained thing, and we're all in shape, okay? But to train your body to be able to go out in the field for 60 minutes and play with that kind of high volume and high intensity, you have to start out with your body in a certain amount of shape. And as I saw our defensive line walking in, even though for a lot of them it was the first time I got to meet them in person, you know, you've seen tape on these guys. You obviously see a number of pictures on these guys. You know what their body used to look like. When they walked in, it was evident all of them have worked, put themselves in the kind of shape that they can start training for football. So they're now on training camp. So I'm very pleased with the urgency they came in with. I'm very pleased with that group in terms of how they're working together right now, all right, and how they're working together. Um, but game by game, we'll really decide whether it's four, whether it's multiple, and that'll change by situations as well. Don Levy. Hey, Joe, two, uh, two roster notes. Uh, what made Chandler Catanzaro the right, the right kicker out of retirement? I'm sure you saw there was some speculation you would go with somebody you know, like Guskowski or Nick Folk. So what made an unretiring Chandler the right guy? And then when you do, when the ramp-up period is over and practices start, do you expect Leonard Williams to be out there? You know, I'm going to give him the opportunity day by day. He's working with our trainers. He's doing everything he possibly can to get on the field as fast as possible. So, look, we know he's doing all the right things. I'm not a doctor. When they tell me he's cleared to go, then we'll go ahead and we'll hack him into practice accordingly. In terms of Chandler, um, look, Chandler has the opportunity to come in here and compete for a job like everybody else. You know, I obviously have some experience in the league with Chandler of going against them. It's a small league. There's 32 kickers, you know, per week on rosters. So you know who's out there. He's had some very good seasons, had some very good seasons in this stadium. You know, so Chandler's someone that I've known about for a long time, going back to when he came out of Clemson. We're excited to have him here. You know, he's going to have the opportunity to go on the field and demonstrate what he's capable of doing. You know, in terms of retirement, I mean, that was something that once he decided that he wanted to make a comeback and we were notified that he was off a retired list, he was somebody that, you know, we talked about. And uh, we thought he was a good fit to get going with. Shorts. Joe, um, you come from a program in New England that um, was generally considered to be one step ahead a lot of the times with deployment of personnel, roster, you know, coaching, all these things, uh, the way you orchestrated a pass rush. Um, how important is you think that's going to be for you with this team to kind of be one step ahead, be sharp, um, you know, uh, assemble a pass rush, you know, you brought Golden in, just kind of being one step ahead. You have a very inexperienced team in a very unusual situation. You know, I'd say this. Um, obviously, we all have a past different places, every coach and every player. It's important what we learn from other places, but anything we've done anywhere before here is completely irrelevant. It's only about the New York Giants that matters right now. So, But in terms of being one step ahead, I think everybody in this league is trying to always have a competitive advantage by being one step ahead. We're always trying to make moves that we think are best for our team. We try to look ahead in terms of situations or scenarios that may arise, Paul. We're always thinking about our total team depth. We're thinking about our 53 and then the practice squad beyond that, which this year obviously has more flexibility than in the past. So it really almost expands your roster right there. So it's important for us to really evaluate our players correctly and then know who's on the street or on other rosters and evaluate them correctly so that when they become available in some way, shape, or form, we can make the right decisions. You know, in terms of how we use players, to be honest with you, I think the whole thing with being, you know, a step ahead with a competitive advantage is just from the beginning, identifying what they do well 
and give them an opportunity to play in multiple spots. So when the time comes, they have to use different skill sets. They're ready to go. You know, and that's the way we really want to train our players from the beginning is make sure they have exposure to all of our different positions that they may fit into and schemes and calls that they can operate fast when the time arises. One, one quick follow-up. Do you try to parlay that into the front office and everything too you're working with now that, you know, they got to bring players in, pro personnel, uh, you know, scouts that we need to be really sharp here. You know, I mean, we need to be sharp because maybe we don't have the experience or things. We're a new coach system. Just let's, you know, we all got to be, we all got to raise each other up here. Yeah, I'll tell you what, since I've been here, we've had great synergy in the building. Uh, we have a very, very good working relationship across all aspects, personnel, coaching support staff you know we're making sure we're all on the same message going forward we talk on a daily basis about our personnel we talk on a daily basis about who's you know what's going on the rest of the league whether it's the waiver wire or maybe different calls that have come our way it's a natural part of the nfl there's a lot of talk with personnel especially this time of year um but we've had a great working relationship very very pleased with how it's going um i think we all have the same vision of where we want to take this team or how we want to make it up and how we want to build it and uh, look, we're at a point right now we're focusing on training the guys we have on our roster. But that includes us being part of the National Football League. You have to be aware of what's going on outside of your roster at all times. Thanks, Joe. Pat Leonard. Hey, Joe. I, I read the other day, I think Peter King had written that the Saints are kind of semi-sequestering their full staff and players. It's not mandatory for the staff, but they're encouraging it. Did you guys talk about that idea of having people not go home to their families, at least for camp? Or, or are you prepared to pivot to that if that's what the league goes to? I'm just curious, the, diff the decision between whether to do that or not and whether you think it's necessary or maybe. You know, Pat, I'd say this, and I read the same articles about the kind of pseudo bubble some teams are trying to create. To be honest with you, if it's not completely isolated, like the NBA and the NHL are working in, it's not a bubble. You know, it's really just a way of just having training camp and trying to stay isolated. Look, if it was a non-COVID year, we'd be trying to keep the team as isolated as could be just to keep the focus on what we're doing and build that, you know, training camp atmosphere that we have to have. I'm not mandating any coach stays in the hotel. All right, obviously by league rules, no players mandated to stay in the hotel. But our players have either opted in or opted out of the hotel stay. The ones that are in the hotel have a curfew. We've expressed to the ones on the outside that, you know, they have to make the right decisions when they're away from the building in terms of how they structure their nights. I'd say the biggest message I've had to everybody, whether it's my coaches, all right, the support staff, the players, it's not about being in a bubble this year. That doesn't exist. It's about making the right decisions away from the building and making sure we don't bring something into the building. Again, I said this last time, you know, personally, it's not my right to go out and get something to eat and put myself in an atmosphere where I may bring something back to the team and cost them an opportunity on what they want. That's not my right. I'm not entitled to do that. And we have to all understand that all of our decisions impact each other. We're all in training camp. There's 32 teams right now. Everyone's working towards the same goal. All right. No one within this building is entitled, all right, to cut short any our team's pursuit of that goal, all right, by making a selfish decision away from this building. You know, the NFL's released some guidelines for players in terms of the COVID, in terms of where they can go, the amount of people in a crowd and all that. And look, as coaches, we have to be smart about that. You know, and there's other teams out there that are, you know, having hotels. Look, we have a hotel too. You know, we have multiple floors on a hotel right down the street, rent it out for our players and our coaches, should they choose to stay there. 
Look, we have people on this team, players and coaches that have wives and children. Everyone wants to go home and see their wife and children. I want to go see mine as much as I can. The reality is there's sacrifices we're going to have to make this year. And we have to determine individually if that means I have to spend a little bit less time, okay, or make sure that I don't surround myself with other loved ones who aren't going by the same guidelines I'm operating on a daily basis, then that's a sacrifice we have to make. That's not easy. But look, let's be, let's be realistic. You got guys on oil tankers for months at a time. You got soldiers overseas, okay, making a lot less money. All right, you don't see their families either at times. Now, I'm not suggesting people don't see their families. I am suggesting that everybody, all right, on the team and family away from the team that we're going to see has to make decisions responsible, okay, to account for the sacrifice of being part of the National Football League this year. That's just a reality. We have to all understand that, okay, and the challenge, okay, is, is going to be real. This will be the last question. Bruce Beck, go ahead. Hey, Joe, um, I know it's not full tempo, but what do you see from your team in terms of morale, in terms of energy, in terms of attitude at this point? Look, I see a lot of energy to come in and improve on a daily basis, and that's what we preach from day one. It's day by day. We've got to stack them together. We've got to take a step forward every day, and I see that from our guys at every meeting, every walkthrough, every conditioning session, and that's all I can ask from right now. There's an urgency to improve. There's an urgency to learn. We've had a lot of guys already reaching out to coaches on their own for extra help. We've had players in meeting rooms doing extra together. You know, you, you can see the things you want to go ahead and breed within your culture coming together already. Okay, that's important. Now, that's got to sustain over the test of time. You know, a few days together doesn't solve all problems. But as far as the starting point, I'm very pleased with that in the direction that we're going. We've just got to be diligent on the day-by-day -day process of coming in with good energy, being attentive, and making sure we learn and then can execute at an improving level on a daily basis. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, hope everyone's safe from the storm. I know a lot of you guys probably lost power last night and all. Hopefully not too many trees down. So hopefully everything's going well. And, uh, again, hope your families are safe. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, 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 Thanks